So it's beginning at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For as we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That's good. Thank you. That's the word of the Lord to us today. Uh, unashamedly, that's the word of the Lord. I know there's probably a lot of feelings happening in this room right now after we just read that passage. There's a lot of feelings happening here right now because I'm standing here talking about this passage. But God's word is good, amen? amen. So there was a, a study done, uh, and, and it was done by a local newspaper, and they pulled 100 couples. Who is the leader of your household? And so, who is the leader of your household? 90, so each couple got to answer. 90 responses were the husband and wife were agreed. The wife is the leader of their marriage, of their household. 90 of them, they agreed. Nine others, they disagreed, and the man said he was, the woman said she was the leader. One couple agreed that the man was the leader of the household and that the woman was not. And so because of this, that couple, they got a, they, the man got to select from, from a number of prizes to which he instantly replies, what should I get, Sheila? <laughs> oh, needed to start this passage with a joke. <laughs> needed to start. I'm glad you were able to laugh already this morning. We get into a passage today that has history in the church and history in our context, in our culture abroad. There have been, we bring all sorts of assumptions to this passage today, and we just can't help it. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, you come to this passage very heavily biased in one direction or another. I, uh, as I was studying this week and I was studying this passage, I really, I just did a pretty big, wide-scope internet search as what are churches 
teaching on this passage, on this topic. And I got to say, I was pretty actually saddened by how many people don't actually even preach the passage as the passage says, but preach it more of an apology. And I already feel like standing up here, uh, and we're going to talk about wives submitting to husbands and husbands loving and cherishing your wives. I already feel like just before we dig in, I just have to say sorry for everything. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the church has messed this up so bad for hundreds of years. I'm sorry that our culture sells you something that's so far different than what the Bible lays out as well. I'm sorry that we have power-hungry people on both sides of the spectrum that have wielded this passage as a passage about power and gender roles. And I'm here, and most of us, and most of the messages that I have dug into and, and seen people go, they, they go to this place of this, Paul is now teaching about gender roles in marriage, and that's actually just not what he's talking about. So what we're going to have to do today is we're going to have to undo, I'm not saying there aren't gender roles, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying this passage is not talking about that, okay? I'm not saying men and women aren't different. They are fundamentally made different, both in the image of God, both with incredible value. But this passage is saying something far more beautiful and wonderful than wives do this, husbands do this. That's not what this passage is after. This passage is preaching the gospel and how we, as believers, as people in the kingdom of God, see all these pieces that we've been talking about that build upon one another. The kingdom of heaven, God's presence, is the filling of his spirit. Jesus, remember, he came and said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and establishing God's ways and God's presence. I know this is review for, for us here at Pine Ridge, but and then after Jesus was raised from the dead, ascended seated at the right hand of the Father, he sends his Holy Spirit to fill believers so that we might learn and be equipped and empowered to live the kingdom of heaven life on earth, which is holiness and caring and whole relationships and all of these wonderful good things because God's good. And we have a responsibility to partner with God in that. We looked last week, be filled with the Spirit right? And you'll notice we started not in verse 22. So if you, if you have your Bibles, you'll look and you'll see there's a heading. And this is where the English Bibles just sometimes I'm like, what on earth? This heading was not in the original. And, so, and lots of times they're very helpful. This time I think it's actually quite detrimental because this is a run-on idea. And so what we looked at last week is be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, right? Singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we started, we didn't get to that last verse last time, submitting to, to who? To one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a church context, and then we get to verse 22. It says, 
So it's verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So we have this chapter, like this heading there. It says, mine says wives and husbands. What does yours say wives and husbands too? Okay, so what happened here is throughout church history, we have now taken, because there's a a heading here, we take this chunk that we just read this morning after the heading, and we just say, okay, Paul's just doing a little sermonette on wives and husbands' gender roles. That's not what's happening here. What he's doing is in the grand scope of the gospel. Remember, we're in Ephesians. You have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've been adopted because God adopted you, because he chose you before the foundations of the world, that you would be holy and blameless. All of this good news that you have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places where he is right now. This is you. This is your new self in Jesus. And so that plays out. See, I told you we were getting through all that theology and all this. It's not theory, but it's, it's this theology, these thoughts, because it plays out in real life. And now Paul's saying this is how it plays out. It's fascinating because most people will pick up in verse 22 and say, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And then we get in, in, in church history that has been defined and many things have been added to exactly how that should look. Women need to do this and this and this. Men need to do this and this and this. And everything will work. That's not what is being taught here. What is being taught is in your marriage, we get to live out the gospel. And we get to put it on full display for the world to see. And so I know I'm just running through context and like maybe dancing around the passage right now, but that's not my intent. I just really, there's so much baggage we need to undo a little bit first before we can just jump in and see what this, what this passage says. So Monday, uh, I was doing some study and I, and I called Leah and I'm like, I can't even study and I can't do this message unless we have a whole lot of conversation this week. Because I am a naturally leader type male, strong male, and Leah is naturally, her personality is a very submissive personality. That's just, that's just our personalities, okay? And so I already recognize I'm almost disqualified in many of your eyes from even preaching this passage. I recognize that, Okay. What this passage is doing is it's saying what healthy, good marriages should look like when there are two believing spouses married to one another, okay? So if if that is not you today, if that is not you today, we just want to acknowledge that there's so much complexity. There is so much brokenness. Some Some have been divorced. There's a lot of single dudes with dandelions in their ears this morning. You guys should really listen. (laughs) And there's other single people here today. And what I'm not saying is that marriage is the only way to live the gospel. But most people get married. And so Paul is just speaking to those people in this passage. Here's how it plays out in your life. As you look at verse 22, that word submit 
isn't in the Greek. It doesn't exist. And now that's like, huh? Well, they had to put it there because there's a heading. But if you look, you actually need to start in verse 21. And we're going to leave out that word submit because I promise you it is not in the Greek. There is no verb in that, in that, in that verse in the Greek. It's not saying that they don't need to submit, but it changes, okay? Listen to this carefully. Starting in verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. It changes it a bit, doesn't it? It changes it. It doesn't change the fact that you need to submit, but it it changes that we are all submitted to one another. So wives, submit to your husbands. There has been, throughout history, most cultures are a patriarchal society because, for the most part, men have led. And now, Paul is not writing this letter to Ephesians in some sort of cultural vacuum for all time. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. We looked at that, right? And so what we need to pause, and as we always do, we need to remember, who is he writing to? So he's writing to Ephesus, the the believers in Ephesus, who were living in a Greek, Greco-Roman culture at the time, which was incredibly male-led, okay? So in fact, so much so that wives were basically property, okay? They were not addressed in public, period. The fact that he wrote this letter and addressed wives first says a lot about their value and their dignity and that they have a role to play in the kingdom of God, okay? I just want to start there. So it was, it was common, it was just practice how it worked would, would be the, the, through a whole bunch of ancient literature that people smarter than me and archaeologists have discovered, uh, in this area, it was common practice, like most in history, uh, for arranged marriages, and men would buy their wives from the wife's dad, right? And it was for themselves. It, and the average age difference was the man would be about 30, and the girl, can you take a guess? 15. 15 years old. She was, she was property to him for many different reasons, but she was not valued, Okay? And so for, for the church to come into that type of, type of setting, for Paul to address these wives is, is already just mind-blowing. It's not, so many times this passage has been used to, as a power, like I said, a power grab. It's not, it's not a power thing. In fact, as soon as it becomes a power thing, it's anti-gospel. It's anti-gospel. Who is the most powerful human that ever lived? Jesus. Thank you. Good Sunday school answer. God himself came. If you flip in my Bible, you flip your page one page over to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And we read this. 
in chapter 2, verse 4. No, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if you want to take wives submit to your husbands and make a power trip out of it, you are anti-gospel. The most powerful, God himself humbled himself, and that is how he shows his power and his authority. Is, and that's exactly what submit means. Submission has been abused, but submission literally means putting the other's needs ahead of yourself. And that's the gospel. That's what Jesus did. And that's what he calls us to in every sphere of our lives, isn't it? Isn't that what he calls us to in every sphere of our life? We just read it. Put the other ahead of yourself. That is living the gospel. So in that context, in that light, we can read, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So much has been done against women over the, over the years, and I don't want to turn it into this, this message about that this morning, because that's also not what this passage is talking about. But we need to acknowledge it, okay? Women, men, everybody here, you're allowed to be a woman. You're allowed to be a man. God made you in his image. You are loved. And we get to live the gospel it's this beautiful thing. When, if you think about it, when a man and a woman, if they are married and they lived the gospel, what this is saying of submission to one another, of the wife submitting to her husband and letting him lead her, but the husband coming underneath and submitting to make her better, and the wife again and again and again, and they're placing each other not behind, but underneath one another to lift each other up. If that's actually working, what a beautiful picture that is of the gospel, to lift one another up in that way. And so Paul's speaking to wives. He says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And so we know that, especially in that day, the, the husband as the head is this patriarchal head. The husband had the household, had the servants, had his wife, had his children, and his job was to provide and to protect, but the relational aspect wasn't very strong there. And so what Ephesus saw happening was that the women did not respect their husbands. I mean, the husbands did a, did, really didn't give them much of a reason to. And to be completely blunt, husbands in North America today, just straight up suck <laughs> on the whole. We have done a real bad job of cherishing and loving our wives. Do you know why? Because we are always told it's the fairy tale Disney story. Find someone to fulfill your needs 
and your wants. You enter into relationships because you will be fulfilled. You will be taken care of. It is completely selfish to begin with. But that's the ideal, isn't it? I will be completed. But relationships in the kingdom of heaven is entirely about submitting under people to bring them up to the Lord. That's what the kingdom relationship is. And and so it plays out in our marriages too. And so if you're a single person here today and you're thinking that you'll get married one day, before, before you get into a relationship, before you do that, guys, make sure, first of all, that that other person loves Jesus desperately and is, and is already a person not just with you, but with other people as well, caring for the needs of other people. Or are they just out for themselves? It's been a problem for history, but not in the kingdom of heaven. So as the man, as the head, it's like Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior, provider, helper. So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So husbands live in a way that she would actually want to. Like, actually live in a way that she would want to do that. Um, you know, there's, there's this flip side to it as well, where women, you have a responsibility to let him love you. Do you hear, did you hear that? Women, you have a responsibility to let him love you. Maybe his dating game isn't that strong. Maybe he's just a little emotionally slow. But if he makes an effort, don't be like, oh, yeah, hmm, nice try, and like condescending. Let him love you. He's trying. And men, try to love and cherish your wives. To husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That would have been mind-blowing to the church in Ephesus. A husband to, to give himself up for this wife? What, that, is just my, that is just not as offensive in their culture. It's more offensive in our culture that a husband would rise up to that as well, mostly because I believe the, that it's almost a crime to be a manly man these days. And you're allowed to be, and women, you need to let your man love you. But it's, here's where we get to why this isn't just about gender roles. This is about the gospel. This is the center of this passage. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus did. He came and he humbled himself and he took the form of a servant, the son of God, washing dirty fishermen's feet the night before he died. This is the picture of our Jesus, and this is a picture of how we live in the kingdom. And no better, closer relationship does this play out than if you're married. 
and I would say probably almost more challenging. It says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And it's, it's just, it's not a standalone passage. It's just the way of the kingdom. Of course, love your wife. Love your wife as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is not like a new thing. This is just Paul zooming in on marriage saying, oh yeah, that whole kingdom life, new life thing in Jesus, how we're supposed to live lives of loving whole relationships starts at home. It starts at home. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Husbands, you're supposed to nourish and cherish your wife. Cherish your wife and nourish her. The way that Jesus does it is he does it so that the church would be built up and holy and blameless and presented as such. Men, are you... And, and single guys, too, in the future, are you one that wants to present your wife as holy and blameless and cherished? There's ways that's going to play out. And so, see, it's at this point in church history where I would start to give you a whole bunch of specific things to do to make that happen based on our current cultural context, and, and we're not going to do that today. What I'm going to say is for each of you, because I said my personality and Leah's personality is a certain way, that's not all of you here. We're different people. You need to take it to Jesus. How, Jesus, do I submit to my husband in this marriage? What does that look like? <laughs> Here's a really poorly timed example. But um, we have six kids. The boys sleep downstairs downstairs. The girls sleep upstairs. I usually tuck the boys in every night, and Leah's tucking the girls in upstairs. It just works better that way for us. So I come upstairs, and quite often, if uh, I'm done first, which is usually the case, um, then Leah is still tucking the girls into bed. I'll come upstairs, and we have six kids. Our house is a disaster. And so there is very few things I dislike more than cleaning the kitchen. And so, uh, yeah, there's the, this is why it's a bad example. I get it. I'm not saying the woman's place is the kitchen. But there are a few things I dislike more than cleaning the kitchen. I just hate it. I just don't know. It just drives me because, I don't know, whatever. I don't like it. But I know how much Leah loves it when she comes out and the kitchen is clean. <laughs> so I do it. Not all the time, but I do it, and I'm nourishing and cherishing my wife, right? That's, that's what that is. I could, I could say, you know what? I could go like the 50s route. I had some fun researching this uh, topic this week. I saw like there's a bunch of old ads like how to be a good wife in like 1950-whatever, and I was like, wow, things have changed a little bit. Since then, um, that's all I'm going to say about that before I put my foot in my mouth. But nourish and cherish your wife, men. 
And I think that this is my personal opinion. This isn't an exegetical moment here, but this is just Josh Fraser for what it's worth. I think Paul writes to the weaknesses of men and women a little bit here too. Right? Men tend to be, there's always exceptions. I know I already hear and feel all the opposition coming back. But men tend to be less emotionally present, don't they? With the whole loving and nourishing thing. I don't know too many women that are like, I'm just looking for a man I can protect and provide for. I know they're out there. I don't, I don't think I know any. But we're made different, right? We just are. We need to submit to one another in those differences and love each other well because it is the gospel on full display. Because we aren't taking our own needs and our own wants and we're not saying, I'm married to you so you can fulfill all my needs. And you can, and the beautiful thing is, <laughs> if we actually put ourselves under the other person for their benefit, and we act, it's like this dance that happens, and, and, and actually you are way better off for it. It's how the gospel works. It's how the kingdom of God works. It's not a power trip. It's not about gaining power. It's about the life that God has for humanity played out in your closest relationship. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. There's this picture where a man and a woman come together, and they are united they are now one. Now, obviously, we are still separate people with separate personalities, right? But we, God ordained it that we would be united and that we would be one. And, and, and there's something in the human spirit that that just is the case. We look for it. When it's not there in a marriage, you feel it deeply. It's because it's against how God designed things to work. But when you are one, caring for one another as you care for your own self, it works beautifully. And it's the gospel, and it's this picture that is coming one day when all of this broken mess that we keep making as humanity, when Jesus returns, when he makes all things new. He's, when he makes all things new, not all new things. He's making all things new. And that's a beautiful picture where the kingdom of heaven is here now and we get to live it in our marriage. It's also not yet. But we get to be a picture of Christ now. It says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. He's way harder on the husband in this passage. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her. Her husband. You know what I see a lot, especially in young people today, is this, this swing in the other direction from men keeping women silent and not valuing them, is women, you need to respect your husband. You need to respect him. And it's just like this subtle, weird thing in our culture that like, 
I don't know. It's I don't know where it started, but there's like the Homer Simpsons and like every sitcom ever. The husbands are just a fool, right? That's not how men should be. Should love and cherish and be strong and provide and nurture. Be worthy of respect. But women, you also then be, just because of it's in our heads to expect that deadbeat mentality. Don't, don't go there. Respect your man and let him love you. Let him be a man. And this shapes and shakes out in many different ways that we can submit to one another in our marriages. No two marriages are perfect and the same. And that's why, <laughs> that's why we just did the Hearing God seminar, because you need to walk with Jesus. You need to be like, Jesus, how can I best love my husband? Jesus, how can I best love my wife today? Because what, how I would love Leah probably wouldn't work for some of you. How Leah loves me probably wouldn't work for some of you. But Jesus cares deeply about your spouse or your future spouse. So come to him. Be like, I am just ready to care for this person before myself, however that's going to look. And it's a beautiful picture of the gospel played out because Jesus, God himself, came in the flesh and he humbled himself to the point of obedience, even to death on a cross. Would you do that for your spouse so that they would be holy and blameless? Cherish your spouse. It's a beautiful thing when we can get this. The younger you are, the better to figure this out now. I'm going to put my spouse first in all things because Jesus. Because Jesus. And because this is how a spirit-filled kingdom marriage works. It's a beautiful picture for the world. So I think I'm just going to leave it there for today. I think that there's nothing really more that needs to be said other than you know, are you trying in your marriage or are you expecting in your marriage for the other person to meet all your needs and fulfill you? Or are you putting yourself underneath that person and and looking for the best in them? And, And remember, this is for two believing people in a marriage. That's what this passage is for today. And if not, then come to the feet of Jesus. Ask for his forgiveness. Ask for your spouse's forgiveness. I mean, goodness, maybe just ask your spouse, (laughs) how am I doing? Is there anything that I could bless you in that I've just been missing the mark on? I'm guessing there's probably some stuff. Be gracious to one another and move forward in love. Just like chapter 5 started, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And that was addressed to men and women. And so we all get to do that. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you with humble hearts because you are the creator of all things. You created us in your image, both Man and woman, you created us, Lord, and, and we, we are thankful for that. 
And yeah, I'm a man who's saying, I don't get how that plays out. I don't, I don't get all the differences that you created and then the exceptions to the rule and all of these things. But Lord, I do know this one thing, that in Jesus, you set the perfect example of love. You set the perfect example of humbling yourself to lift up a people who were even just evil towards you. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray here today that young people would set it in their hearts to honor Jesus and honor their future spouse by caring for them before themselves. Lord, I thank you that this is your plan and this is love, that you gave yourself up for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that it's a beautiful picture when this works. Lord, forgive us for doing so much damage for so many years, both men and women. The kingdom is it's all about forgiveness. It's all about dying to self and giving of ourselves in order that we might be lifted up. Your kingdom is upside down from the power systems of this world. But I've tasted and seen and there's nothing nearly as good. So Lord, I pray over this congregation. I pray for healthy marriages in the name of Jesus. Pray that you would break through selfishness unforgiveness, misunderstandings, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would come and do a work in marriages, that you would keep us holy and blameless before you as you're trying through your spirit to purify all of us. Thank you for the picture of the gospel, that it's good news. It's good, it's good news for those who are in Jesus. And so those of us who are in Jesus, we give you our lives and we say, yes, we want this. And yes, it takes work. So Lord, I pray that you fill us with your spirit. Be filled with the spirit so that we might walk in this way. Lord, I thank you for the value you place on men, women, as we're going to look at next week, children, people of every background. Lord, you're so good and so loving. Today, I pray that you give us a vision for how the kingdom gets into each and every relationship. We have an expectation for healed marriages in this place. I'm asking that you would grant the boldness to those who need help those who have been in unhealth for a long time. Lord, I ask for boldness for them to reach out for help. And they would call on Jesus and that you would come. Lord, it's, so, it's such a personal, close thing for each and every one of us. And so, Lord, I pray for your tenderness and your compassion to be realized and known. And I pray your kingdom come in our marriages as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. 
the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is at the highest place. We worship you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We worship you, Jesus. Amen.